when that neighbor passed away, uh, I think his wife asked Brother Pete to come over, or Brother Rex to come over, and he uh, <laughs> he had a bunch of ties. And Brother Rex, I think, kind of went through and got a few, and then he brought a whole grocery sack full of ties over here. And nobody, I think there might have been a few of the men that, uh, you know, took a few of them out of there, but I took the most of them home, and somewhere down near the bottom was this one right here. And I think that's, you know, indicative of how we ought to be here. I mean, when we go out of the doors, I can understand we can turn this upside down, but right now, you know, we ought to be happy to be here. And uh, so I thought, told Brother Rex I was going to wear this tie just for him, but also to remind us that, you know, we have heard a lot of really good messages. And by the way, the term candy cane came into play somewhere along the line. And don't remember who it was that mentioned that. This is a candy cane message. But when Brother Hobbs asked me if I could do it, I, you know, asked the Lord, you know, what, what would you have me do? And this came back to me clear and plain. When we read the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, it says, you know, the Lord had set uh, different offices in his church. Started out with the apostles, of course, and then, then pastors, and, and uh, uh, of course we've got missionaries and teachers. Brother Malo, when he was at Bethany, he said this didn't mean necessarily Sunday school teachers. I disagreed with him, but that's okay. Uh, but he said it meant teaching preachers. And that's kind of where we're going to head today. We're going to do some teaching. And you may not, you may wonder why in the world would you get, this is church, not science class, but guess what? This is God's science book also and there's a lot of good science in there he Paul warned Timothy to stay away from science falsely so called uh, we've got the astrologers who claim that they can well tell the future and somebody asked me what sign I was born under and I said Portsmouth General Hospital you know that's <laughs> the best I can do maternity ward or whatever <laughs> In case you haven't noticed, I'm a little bit like Brother Pyle. I have to kind of get warmed up to go. I was around Brother Pyle and Brother Hobbs a lot. Uh, you, David, you mentioned me being around. I'll tell you what. It was a treat, really, to be around these men. I, I, there was a lot of things that they taught me. And uh, some of the things they taught, like during vacation Bible school in particular, we had to read the uh, books. We had to memorize the books of the Bible the Old Testament, and the New. And if we memorized those, we got a gold star in front of her name. How about that? I'll tell you what, that has been, what's that term, invaluable? Over the years, had I not learned those when I was just a young fella, uh, chances are, and it's, I still, every now and then, some of these books of the Bible are just plain in the wrong place is the only thing I can tell you. But um, 
uh, God knew where to put them, and, and I needed to know where to find them. Uh, we had to memorize the Ten Commandments. The interesting thing about the Ten Commandments is that they will not get us to heaven. But, but what they will do, and this is what we need to teach. Uh, we put the Ten Commandments up and, and then say memorize them and, and see what the things that you're not supposed to do and the things that you're supposed to do. But the things you're not supposed to do can't get you to heaven. But what it will do is to show you that there's no way that you can get to heaven on your own. That's the total purpose as far as I'm concerned. And I think maybe the Holy Spirit's concerned for the placing of the Ten Commandments in such a great place as the Holy Bible. To show us that we can't do it on our own. That we need a Savior. Uh, As you well know, Adam and Eve with their fig leaf garments, um, that wouldn't suffice. And the Lord killed animals mm-hmm. never had happened before killed animals made them skins there was shedding of blood to cover them once again couldn't do it couldn't do it on their own Ebenezer brother Pete preached about our Ebenezer and I tell you what we need all these things but today and, and I, I did brother Hobbs when you were not able to come, um, and you asked me to come and help, you know, fill in just a little bit. I did use at least part of this message here at the church before, and and I think it's really uh, needful that we become teaching preachers. Amen. And we've had we, you know, we've put out a lot of good information because, of course, it came from God's word. And, and it's not going to be any different this morning. There's a lot of speculation about creation and this thing of the big bangs and the little particles. The latest one, I guess, coming out on, like, the National Geographic or History Channel. I don't remember which one of them channels it was. But there's these, the whole, what we live in creation started out with a little old bitty particle, subatomic particle. And... Boom! Blew into, well, where we are today. You know, a wonderful place to live. But because of these things, I hope we haven't thrown science out altogether because there is good, pure science uh, that does not leave out our Creator, God. He gave us many facts that will lead us right on back to creation. And I hope we can study some of those today. We ought to be teaching our children. Yeah, you know what? It's not, you know what they say about teaching old dogs new tricks? It's like I said about memorizing the the script, the Bible, the books of the Bible. We need to teach these young Christians, even kids before they become Christians. Timothy learned a lot before he was ever saved. So why shouldn't we teach our little ones these things so that if the Lord peradventure would save them, that they'd have this already in their minds. Maybe it wasn't in their hearts before. At least it was in their minds. I was raised in a church. I had a lot of this in my mind already. And then 
when the Lord saved me, it, it was actually in my heart. In Genesis chapter 1, and I knew this would be hard for me to get through in a half hour's time, so I did type out all the scriptures. Brother Hobbs, back when we had the paper here, uh, said that he did, didn't want anybody putting Genesis 1-1 without writing Genesis 1-1 out in the article that we turned in. So I kind of got in the habit of doing that, and uh, that's what I did. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Um, the first thing I think we need to look at, in verse 2 it says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Also, the earth was without form and void. It, it was either a desert or it was all water. And it seems like that in the beginning there wasn't any dry ground. There was waters. The Spirit of God moved on the waters. Now when you, I think he set the earth in motion. And, and also at the same time he created light. And he called it day and night. You say, wait a minute, he hadn't created the sun yet. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You go over to Revelation chapter 21, and you'll find that Jesus Christ was a light of new city Jerusalem, well, and the earth in particular, the new earth. So we didn't need a sun. We had the creator. And you go to John 1.1, 1, 1, you find out that Jesus Christ definitely was the creator. The son of God was the creator. Uh, we see the waters being the main thing there. No form. Uh, to me, that doesn't mean that it was a, a blob, a, a little particle or something like that. I think it was just about as big as it is now. But it didn't have the features that it does now. So, no form. The, you know, there wasn't any United States or American continent and the European continent and all those kind of things. No continent. It's possible, and some commentaries uh, from the Bible, not, you know, don't put a whole lot of stock in what they say, but there, it could have been kind of muddy and murky. I don't have a problem with that. But I do have a problem with somebody that says, out of that mud come this, I can't think of that word, primordial or pre, what is it, Steve? Primordial. Primordial. Goo that became a single cell, but, and like somebody else said, I'd like to see a single cell do anything. I mean, health class taught us. You know, the egg, that single cell in the egg, there has to be fertilized. So it didn't start with a single cell. 
and then all of a sudden it decided on its own to split. I think that kind of what is what brought on the uh, some of the things that we have been accused of hating, mm -hmm. Brother Tommy. <laughs> we don't hate those people, by the way. We don't hate people that disagree with us about these things that we're going to talk about today. We love them, and we want them to know the truth. In Genesis 1, verse 6, it said, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. I know the first thing a lot of people think is, ah, dry land. Nope. Not at all. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. Uh-oh. Well, <laughs> it's not earth. He called it heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. God created an expanse we call the atmosphere. And he had waters underneath it. Well, we already know they were there. The Holy Spirit of God moved on those waters. But he also placed waters above it. And why would he do that? Well, you know they're talking about this greenhouse effect that's uh, carbon dioxide causing all of it and, and, and smog and so forth. Well, back then they had the greenhouse effect that was created by waters that were above. Not, not only did it create a greenhouse effect, by the way, I think that there was, uh, I'm getting ahead of my subject, my message here, but I'm going to have to if I'm going to get done before dinner. Or maybe even 15 minutes before dinner. But anyhow, uh, I believe that there was plant life at the North Pole at one time. And the reason I know that is because they're getting oil up there. And pipelining it down to us. Now what does oil come from in God's pure science? Now I know God could have created the earth with oil in there already, okay? But thinking about God's pure science is as a matter of fact uh, oil comes from and coal seems to come from decaying plant life that's kind of kept from the air so it doesn't really you know turn into methane but it does to some extent because guess what that's where natural gas comes from too so you got natural gas oil and coal under the earth maybe a lot of it formed at the time of the universal flood but the plant life come from back when God created this earth with a covering over top of it to make it like a big greenhouse. Now, how, you know, Brother Greg, you're getting way off. No, I'm not, because it says here that there was water above that firmament he called heaven. And by the way, this first heaven, if you look the word up, is air that we breathe, the air that the birds fly in, the same where the wind is <laughs> that blows our bird feeders down and so on and so forth, sometimes even houses. It's where the weather is. God called a firmament 
uh, made the firmament, and he called it heaven in verse 8. And the evening and the morning were the second day. Yep, we got day and night now. We can And listen, these are actual days and nights as the earth turns. Now, I know that there's not a soap opera named that way, you know, as, but there is one, is the world, as the world turns or something like that. As the earth turns, it's a day. One complete revolution. God created this expanse. We call it the atmosphere. Some think that the waters above were simply clouds or maybe even just a thin layer of water on the outer limits of our atmosphere. Whichever the case, it was there. It came down one time. We'll get to that in a minute. I think we have a filtering layer. I want you to know that most of us have had to work out in the sun. I've already had a bunch of them things burned off my ears and my face, skin cancers or whatever you want to call it, things that pre-cancer, whatever they are, and it's caused by working out in the sun. And if you let those things go, it can actually cause, you know, cancers in other places. We've already had a message that included cancer. We know how severe that can be. We can't deny that. But back then, they didn't have to worry about cancer because they had this filtering layer. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 5, and you're going to have to, we're going to have to jump right through this stuff. Genesis 5, 5, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Even after sin, God allowed man to live nearly a thousand years. Genesis 5, 8, all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. Verse 11, all the days of Enos were 905 years and he died. Verse 14, and all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. Verse 17, all the days of Mahaliel were 890 and five years, and he died. Verse 20, and all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. Verse 23, and all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. Oh, he didn't die. <laughs> he walked with God. Okay. Verse 27, all the days of Methuselah were 960 and nine years, and he died. Verse 31, and all the days of Lamech were 770 and seven years, and he died. But when the flood came, what happened? It never rained before, and I think we see that that layer from above, the fountains from the deep, were broken up. And as we look at... Uh, Whenever they, we never noticed it too much until they started building highways through mountains instead of up over top of them. Here in South Shore, Kentucky, between here and Russell, Kentucky, used to go over every hill there was, you know, or around it. I can remember that as just a little fella. Um, but whenever the waters, whenever the, when they start digging through there, we could actually see all of a sudden the Layers of rock, now and I'm not necessarily talking about sedimentary rock now, I'm talking about rock that was there in the beginning, shot up. And the reason they shot up was because, you know, when those fountains broke up, 
to release the water from down below after God had created the dry land. And by the way, when he created the dry land, I, I suppose maybe that if we see the, the highest mountain, we can take that thing, turn it upside down, and stick it in the deepest gully in the ocean, and it might end up level. It might. Did you ever notice how that the American continent and the African and European continent, if you kind of squeeze them together, they almost fit? <laughs> That's God's plan. I mean, it's not, not, Greg Compton didn't come up with this. It's there. We need to teach these things to our children. Uh, not maybe in quite as much detail, but definitely in detail. After the flood, Genesis chapter 7, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second, uh, verse 11, in the 600th year of uh, Noah's life, in the second month and 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. So you got water coming from both directions. And I think that layer of water came down. In Genesis 9.29 it says, And all the days of Noah were 950 years and he died. Okay, well, you know, still about the same. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, it said that our lifespan will now become 120 years. And how would God accomplish that? Well, of course, you can say disease and what have you. But guess what? That sun that's up there to provide us all that light, also, without that filtering layer, that layer of water, may have caused lifespan of man to decrease drastically. Genesis 25, verse 7, These are the days of the year of Abraham's life, which he lived, a hundred and threescore and fifteen years. And Genesis 35, 28, And all the days of Isaac were a hundred and fourscore years. Deuteronomy 34 and 7, And Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died, and his eye was not dim, and his nor his uh, natural force abated. In Psalms 90 and verse 10, lifespan decreases even more, down to 70 to 80 years. And if you go, yep, on the internet, and you Google lifespan, you're going to find out that the average lifespan in industrial nations is 80 years old. And in third world nations, it's 70 years old. 70, it didn't help a bit. <laughs> With all of our medicine and everything, we think everybody's living longer. It's still 70 to 80 years. The lifespan of man is really shortened considerably with that upper layer of water going. And it's decreased also because of sin. In Genesis 1, verse 9, we get back to where we kind of left off. 
God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and he gathered together, uh, the gathering together of the waters called uh, he seas, and God saw that it was good. God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was after uh, was in itself after his kind and God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the third day one more revolution of the earth God created dry land we kind of got ahead of ourselves here a minute ago I said we was going to and sure enough that dry land produced plant life and it was, uh, what do we call that, Brother Hobbs, whenever you got a seed that, uh, heirloom. It was heirloom seeds. It, it, you know, it didn't get throw back to something. It just kept, you know, giving what it came from. It's sort of like all the descendants of Adam were from heirloom seeds. Heirloom seeds were all sinners. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, and I skipped over a little bit so I could get to this. And he said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night, and let, there, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights and in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of heaven to give, and now this is not the same heaven that we talked about before. This is yet another heaven. How big is it? Uh, we'll cover that here in just a second. I'm not too sure. I don't think we've seen the end of it yet. But we know there's a third heaven also. Paul told us about that. Sun, moon, and stars fill the sky. And by the way, uh, my dad was a B-24 pilot, and he, endured, he flew at night. And by the way, it was over the ocean for the most part, so there wasn't any road signs. Brother Wilson, I <laughs> and they had a guy as a navigator, and they had a little bubble up in the top of most of those planes and the navigator got up in there and he used that sextant and he used the stars to get their heading you can use the stars by the way to find your way when I was in the Boy Scouts I learned mainly about the North Star and how to find it I thought that was really good information we need to teach our children about the sun, moon and stars what they're there for and we can also teach some really good lessons while we're talking about the sun, the moon, and the stars. The sun being the, where the light emanates from comes from Jesus Christ. Comes from the Holy Spirit. Comes from the Father. We are like the moon. We're supposed to be reflectors of that light. And the stars give us our direction, so it's like the Word of God. 
that guides us everywhere we should go. Uh, by the way, uh, getting back to how big is that second heaven, I'll tell you what, it's pretty big. You know, have you ever watched television and they're interviewing this guy, he's in Israel and, and the, the reporter's in New York. They say, how is the weather over there? And he's standing there, for, seems like for forever. And the reason being because it takes a while for those electrical impulses, either by radio or by wire, to get there from New York. Well, light travels at 186,000 miles per second. It takes eight minutes. When you see a solar flare on the sun, it happened eight minutes ago. Scientists say they're finding new stars being created on a regular basis. I don't know if Sandy's wanting to kill me or what. She's back there giving us this number. I, I, I'll, I'll quit after this because, you know, we, we'll have to eat. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, right before us, right. In other words, I won't be stuffing a chicken leg in my mouth. While, okay. Um, at 186 miles per second, light would travel about 700 million miles in an hour. That's about 16 billion miles in a day, and in a year, that's 5.9 trillion miles. Could it be? You know, when God created the heavens and the earth, I think he created the heavens and the earth in those six days. And he rested. Six days. That means no more creating stars. Every bit of water he ever created is still here in some form. A cloud, seawater, fresh water, whatever, it's still here. Listen, it could be that they're just now seeing stars that God created. That's how big God's creation is. And then there's a third heaven. In John chapter 6 and verse 37, All the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of uh, all which he gave me, has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. All these sciences we talked about, they're great. But the greatest thing of all is a provision, not necessarily that layer of water, and not necessarily all that green grass, those tomato plants and so forth, but the eternal life that we have in Christ. We need to teach it all. We need to teach it all. And that's it. Where is it? Here it is. I thought I traveled a lot. Sure glad I'm not as fast as the sun's light. <laughs> I don't think there's.
too much danger of us ever getting that away. <laughs> I don't think so. I think we're transporting pretty quick, though, when time Yeah, comes. that's right. All right. Very interesting. Hmm. Oh, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I started to get me an egg and cheese sandwich this morning. Started looking, only had $2 in my pocket. Wasn't enough. <laughs> All right, well. When we think of God's creation, Do we really think how big it was? That's, that was that was something. I'm glad you pointed that out. I think about that a little more. Interesting. All right, let's stand and and uh, uh, be dismissed to go to the schoolhouse, and um, we'll uh, imbibe in some physical refreshments. And then come back and and uh, finish the conference with two more messages. Been a blessing. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate it. All right, let's bow our heads and when we pray, we'll um, uh, give thanks for the food and uh, then go right on up to the school. Um, David, dismiss us in word of prayer. Sins and our shortcomings.